Good morning, Church of God. It is now time. And speaking of, as you make your way through, let us stand and sing together. Come, now is the time to worship.
Hello, 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 hello. There we Bam. Boom. Surprise. Hello. All right, I got a few announcements for you guys today. Guys and gals, people, fellow church members. Uh, so, tomorrow already is our annual teacher luncheon, so that's coming up. Um, let's see. Help is needed for baking, cooking, and serving. Please see Leanne or Terry if you want some more information. I believe we got most of it prepped and ready. I will be warming up some delicious pork that sabbatical pastor cooked before he left. So it'll be meh. Um, so that is coming up tomorrow. Um, honestly, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, we live in rural Montana. A huge part of our town is that we have a school that functions and teaches and does all those things. And so we want to bless the school however we can. So this is our way of doing it. Obviously, as you know, Eric is still on sabbatical. He'll be back in, I think you got to put up with me for two, two more Sundays. Yeah, we'll go with that. And <laughs> Summer Sunday School ends on August 28th. So uh, we got a couple more weeks of that. It's been going really well for those who do come. It's really an uh, awesome time. Today we talked about enduring hardship as a Christian, because we're going through the basics of the Christian faith. It's a really good conversation. If you weren't there, I'm afraid you missed out. I mean, that's okay, but you know, you've got a couple more weeks, so come, come next week. Um, good News Club and Youth Group is getting ready to start. We've got a few more weeks until that's underway. Um, I'm excited. I'm getting prepped. I think I'm going to be walking the kids through the book of James this year, talking about wisdom and faith and works and all that. It's going to be great. I'm nervous at all. Um, and, and Good News Club is getting ready to start as well. And so, as always, we need help and volunteers with that. Um, I think one specific thing me and my wife are asking for help is uh, we're in need of someone to sit with our three daughters on Wednesday nights. Um, it's, you know, at this point, they can lay themselves down. They just need someone to sit with them um, while me and her serve here with the teenagers. So if uh, you or someone you know would be interested, come talk to me. And I think that is all our announcements, and so I think we'll have... Oh, and another announcement from Mr. Bond. Um, so I'm kind of the liaison between our church and the school, just to help, as a way I'm helping out. Also, being as a teacher, I can really... I know what's really going on most of the time with everything. Um, and if there's ways you'd like to help, just feel free to let, let me know. Like, if you're, hey, hey I want to help out, but I don't know where... Um, feel free to talk to me, and I know there's a couple teachers, I know what they're wanting, or things like that. I know Eric's was also working on it before sabbatical. Um, one other thing that we'd like to do um, is a basically a once every two months or so kind of a teacher get-together here, where the teachers can just get together and be adults and teachers. Um, but in order for us to do that, we would need some help, like some child care service, like someone to help out with just watching kids in the basement so that the teachers can get together. Um, one big thing, I know that's a push for the new superintendent, but also myself is building camaraderie more between all of the teachers, not just each building. Um, that's, a long, that's a long process, but this is one way that I think the, the church can help out and also encourages them to get, the, get through the doors of church too. So um, if you'd like to help out with that too, let me know. It's still very loosely planned. Eric, once Eric's out of sabbatical, I'll have more direct um, 
where you have things more written down and set in stone. So, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mott. All right, um, I believe John's gonna come up and lead us in prayer. and I just remembered another one. I shouldn't forget this one. Uh, obviously, baby Autumn and everything that's going on with her. Are there any other prayer requests that I missed? Um, so, a praise and a prayer. Uh, my grandpa, Ed, he, uh, he fought COVID while recovering from already some lung issues, and he fought and won, um, but he's still very weak. And so, praise that the healing happened, but just additional prayer that uh, he's rested and lets himself not push himself too far. Okay. Any other prayer requests that I missed before? Praise and prayer. should have stopped before. <laughs> uh, yeah, for those of you who haven't seen the Facebook post, we had a fairly uh, severe windstorm out in our, in our area that took the roof off half of our shop, so, um, but we were safe, you know, to, despite not shutting down when we saw the storm coming, so, um, yeah, sometimes we are preserved from uh, our own miscalculations, so. All right, any other prayer requests? Going once, going twice? All right. Father, we come before you today. We have much to be thankful for. We have much to praise you for. We praise you for uh, for the harvest that you are allowing to continue. Uh, praise you that you continue to watch over us and continue to uh, preserve us and that you are watching over us as your children, Father. Uh, we thank you that you allow us to endure hardships for, for your glory and for our benefit, Lord. Uh, as we bring these requests before you, we know that you already have all of these all of these issues in your mind and you have already seen the end at the beginning lord we bring these before you asking you to watch over us asking asking you to resolve these issues asking you to uh, be uh, watching over us as as we go through these various hardships and trials lord father we we thank you that you've that you watch over us and you give us places to stay. Uh, we pray, Lord, for the Erie's home, the Bonds' home, uh, the and just all the various other housing requests that we have this morning, Father, uh, with uh, 
that you'll watch over the transitions as people are transitioning to new homes, building new homes, moving to new homes. And for the for Sean Wrightley and, and his daughter as they have just lost their home, uh, Father, we pray that you will be with us, uh, help us to to approach these situations with wisdom. We pray that our pray that stress levels will be reduced and that we will uh, we'll do this to your honor and your glory. Uh, Father, we have lots of health issues that we are particularly concerned about with Stephanie's hip and uh, Jeremy's health issues. Pray that you'll be watching over them, watching over their situations. Um, pray that the doctors will have wisdom and understanding and what is going on that, that their suffering will be relieved Father um, we we pray for Sean Wrightley with his uh, or Wrightley with his heel infection that he has uh, that you will be helping him in that. We pray that this will draw him closer to you, Father. Uh, we have a praise, Father, that Kara has been off of oxygen for one and a half months, and we pray that you will allow her to continue that and continue that uh, continue that recovery. Also for Mr. Bond's grandpa that. You will continue to watch over him, help him to heal and to recover. Uh, <clears throat> we, we would like to pray too, Father, for our pastor as he is off at his pastor's retreat and as he is on sabbatical. We uh, pray that you will be watching over him uh, that as, as he has this time of rest, that it will be a time of recharge so that you will allow him to be refocused and uh, ready to step back into that role of, well, he's still our pastor father and we pray that as he comes back uh, that he will continue to be able to lead us and guide us in the direction that you have for this church. situation, um, that you will comfort that family in their time of loss, that they, uh, that they will be able to draw close to you. And Father, as school is starting, we pray for the kids who will be returning to school. We pray for the teachers who are, who are already making plans and deciding what's going to be taught. And, looking at all the things that they have to do. Uh, Father, we pray in the school, we pray for peace for the teachers, um, that you will allow them to do their, uh, to do their job efficiently. We pray that their focus will be on the, on the students and uh, pray for the students that they will be 
able and willing to learn. Uh, Father, we don't remember if I prayed for it before, but we do pray for baby Autumn. Uh, now with her, with the cancer issues, we we pray for Hannah and Caleb as they are continuing to have to having to struggle through through this. We pray that you will strengthen them and that you will continue to preserve. to him in a very real way um, through whatever means necessary, Lord. And we pray for Jeremy as he brings the sermon today uh, that you will watch over him, that you will speak through him and guide his words today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get to worship, um, I was told that there was a birthday, but they're trying to hide from everybody because they're downstairs in the nursery. However, um, I'm a very loud singer, so I'm going to lead us in happy birthday from the back so I can power it down there so they know that they can't escape the embarrassment of happy birthday. <laughs>
it, it's tough. And it's a reminder to lean on God in all things, high and low, and to know that his love really does endure forever. Please stand. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things, His love endures forever. Sing prayers, sing prayers. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love endures forever. Mountains bow down and the sea 
Well, well. 
may be seated. service where if uh, you're a small child you can be dismissed for children's church yeah am i right right wrong maybe i'm gonna go ahead and some pretty flowers i'm gonna go ahead and uh read the text we're gonna be walking through we're continuing in ecclesiastes we only have to feel this toilsome, agonizing, burdensome depression for a few more weeks. And then maybe pastor will come back and do a sermon series on like joy or preach to joke. I don't know. We'll see. That was a joke, guys. Alright, so we're starting in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to walk through the first 15 verses of this morning. <clears throat> For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God has done, or <clears throat> try that again. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before Him. That which is already has, that which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. <clears throat> and there were shouts of joy. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to open your word as we continue to work our way through Ecclesiastes. I pray for each person's um, heart as they're in here this morning that you would 
I bring comfort that you would remind them, challenge them, including myself, that we would grow not only in our understanding of the word, but what it means for our day-to-day -day lives. Um, it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Um, I remember when, I'm, I'm going I'm to pick on my boy for a minute. I remember when Zach, my son, pulled his first uh, practical joke. It was quite hilarious. Um, so what he did was, is uh, he took my favorite uh, box of cereal, right? And, and he ate the rest of it, right? So the box was empty. And then he like put stuff in it, I believe, and then put it back in the, in the pantry, right? And so then the next day for breakfast, he's like, Dad, are you gonna have some cereal? Are you hungry? Do you want some breakfast, Dad? I guess I'm hungry, so I, you know, I go and open it. Of course, the box is empty. And that was his first practical joke. I think he laughed. I think it's probably one of the moments I've seen him laugh the hardest in his life up to this point. Like, he was so, so entertained by the fact that he had pulled a practical joke on his dad. And, oh, now he can't have the cereal, right? Like, it was funny. Mostly to him, but I thought it was pretty funny, too. Mostly because I... I think I knew it was coming. I think I was warned the night before, if I remember correctly, but I, I played along. And it was pretty funny. It was a great practical joke. And there's a time, right, to, to pull off practical jokes. They're appropriate. They're funny. They hit, like, right on the nose at the right time, at the right spot, right? Like, a lot of times that you know it's a good practical joke when it hits right. Right? There are also times when it's not a good idea to pull off practical jokes, right? I don't think like a funeral would be a good place to pull off a practical joke, right? I know it's kind of dark, but just, right? Not a good time. It's not a good time. Um, another thing that my son has gotten really good at is um, he's inherited my sarcasm. Like I am just sarcastic a lot. And, um, Again, there is a time to be sarcastic, right? Like you just hit that good one-liner just at the perfect moment, and man, everyone around you is laughing, and you're like, yeah, nailed it. You guys ever, that ever happened to you? You ever just say the right thing at the right time? You're like, ha-ha! But then there's like that time when it's probably not the best time to be sarcastic, you know? And, and I think that's kind of one of those things that like you have to teach your son who has inherited your witty sarcasm. I might be humble bragging on myself right now. I consider myself quite witty. Anyways, but because he's inherited that, and he's young, and he's learning, there are times when he should not be sarcastic, but he is. Right? Like when he's in trouble, or when he's supposed to be like listening to mom, he'll like just say something sarcastic and witty to her, and it's like, hmm, it's not the time to do that. We're, we're not in a, in a place right now where it's a good idea for you to be sarcastic because, like, you're in trouble, kid, and you need to listen, right? There's a time, there's a time, right? There's a time to do certain things, and there's a time to not do certain things, right? That's the, that's the poem that I just read to you this morning, and that's what we're going to kind of walk through this morning because as Christians, right, a part of us growing, a part of us maturing, a part of us Growing in our faith is coming to that conclusion 
that there is a time for things and then there's a time not to do things and so on and so forth, right? That's a part of growing up. It's a part of like, as a parent, right? We teach our kids, like there's a time and a place. And it's funny because my wife, a lot of times ends up teaching me that there's a time and a place. In fact, today is our, uh, t today is our 12th wedding anniversary, August 14th. We got married 12 years ago today, 2010. It was a hot day, I had a mullet. Don't ask why, but I did. Don't look at our wedding pictures. Well, I actually do, she's gorgeous, I'm ugh, anyways. And today's our anniversary, and one, one thing that I think, if, if I reflect on our marriage over the last 12 years, is that I've had to learn that with my wife, because there is a time and a place, right? There is a time for me to, like, zone out, and there's a time where I shouldn't be zoning out. There is a time for me to, you know, be witty, or sarcastic, or say the funny punchlines. There's a time when I probably shouldn't be. Right? That's what we go through as believers, and I think it's appropriate that as Solomon or Quahelet, the preacher who wrote Ecclesiastes, as he finishes up his thoughts on work, because he's coming back to that question again, he inserts this little, this little poem. Um, actually, the fancy word for the poem is called Merismus. And essentially what that means is, is that it's one extreme to the other extreme, right? And he's saying one extreme to the other extreme to kind of help us think and discern and learn from those two extremes, right? So like we can walk through a few of them. I wish I could walk through all of them, but I probably shouldn't. We'd be here for hours. Because again, remember, this is a poem. You can do all kinds of things with a poem, right? There's so many different ways you can look at there's a time to speak and a time to keep silent, right? Like how many different points in our lives can we think of of all the different situations where there's a time to talk? There's a time to stop talking, right? It's a poem. And so as we walk through it, obviously he starts out, you want to go he starts out saying, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Go to the next. Sorry, I forgot my iPad again because I'm a slacker. And then he goes through it and he says, a time to be born and a time to die. Right? Like he just right off the bat. Here's, obviously, as we've already learned, this preacher guy, this cool Hallett guy, right? Solomon, he... He doesn't hold back any punches. He's blunt, he's honest, and he's real. He's real with us about the reality of life, and he's going to continue to do that here. Because right away we go, oh, there is a time to be born. Obviously, we're all born, and there's a time to die. Oh, we're all going to die. I think you already reminded of that in the previous two chapters, Guy, but thank you for that third reminder. I appreciate that. Very comforting. Say that sarcastically. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Obviously, as ranchers and farmers, we can very much resonate with that, right? You plant a seed and eventually you have to harvest it. You have to grab the crop that you've produced. Now, a few things to take note of as we walk through these before I forget. He's not, these are not prescriptions, if that makes sense. 
He's not saying this is how it must be or this is what you must do. He is explaining to us the reality of life, right? He's explaining to us that this is how life goes. It's out of our control, right? Because that's a lot of times, and even if you go back to the previous section, he's wrestling with this idea of like, I tried to get all the power and accumulate all the wealth and, and do all the good things and be good and work hard and be wise. I tried to do all of these things and it ended up being vanity because all I was doing was focusing on those things. I made them ultimate. I made them the big thing. And what he's learning is, is that life doesn't always go the way you want it. Life doesn't always give you what you want. Even when you accumulate the thing you thought you wanted, it turns out, oh, that's not actually what I want. Does that make sense? And so when he, when he talks in this poem, when he goes through it, he's talking about reality. This is the reality, right? Like, they're not meant to just be these different prescriptive experiences that we'll have. Again, because they're extremes. Because not all of us are going to be called to some of these things, right? For instance, war. Not all of us will experience war. But again, it's a poem, so maybe, maybe you will. But in a different way, not actual war. Does that make sense? I'll pretend it does. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. All of these things, again, are polar extremes, pulling us and helping us consider and think and ponder on life itself because it's just telling us the reality of things, right? There are seasons in life where you laugh a lot. There are seasons of life where it's just the opposite, right? As you get older, you have to come to that conclusion that life is hard and there is a time and a place for things. There is a time to laugh and laugh it up, right? And there's a time to weep. Weep. It's okay. And again, he's telling us that this is the reality of life. This is the world we live in. Right? A time to cast away stones and a time to gather uh, stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep. A time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. I mean, even with that one, you can, you can take that one. There's a time to tear. Uh, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's relationships. Maybe uh, there's a time to, to, to tear relationships because mm, it's toxic and I need to get out. But there's a time to come back together. There's a time to sow and mend and, and bring reconciliation to relationships. But it could also be something literal, right? Everything eventually breaks down in the world. So eventually we have to tear it apart, right? But there's also a time when we have to take old things and build them back up and make them new, sew them, bring them back together. Do you see that as you walk through this poem, there's so many things to consider, 
when it comes to the reality of life. That there is a time and a place for certain events as we grow and as we live in the world that God has made. And really, I think that's the key point. And actually, he's going to explain it because what he's essentially doing is, is these first eight verses, he tells the poem. And the reason I decided to do uh, 9 through 15 is because it's almost like he's it's almost like he's preaching it himself. He's going to explain it a little more deeper. And I'll explain what I mean. But like I said, there's so many different things you can do with this. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. Right? How many situations have you been in where you're just running your mouth and you're like, why will I not stop talking? I do that a lot. And actually, I do the opposite thing, too, where I should probably speak up, but I don't. Because that would be scary, and people might think less of me. Lord knows we don't want that. The last two are tough ones, right? Time to love, time to hate. It's a tough one, right? Because we want to be like, well, there should never be a time to hate. But again... He's not prescribing. He's saying, this is the reality of life. There is a reality of life where I hate my sin. Right? As you grow older and get to know yourself, you go, I cannot stand this sin. I, I hate it. That's all right. You should. Right? God tells us to. There's a time to love. I mean... For the church, there is a time for us as a church to love our community. There is a time for you as an individual to love your spouse, love your kids, love the people that God puts in your circles, right? Again, I love poetry because what you can do is you can just kind of sit and stew in it and go over it and be like, wow, this can mean so many different things. Because all he's doing is, is, is spilling out reality. There is a time and a place. Even with peace and with war, right? Again, that's another hard one. But you think about literal wars, right? Like, uh, we would not be a country. We would not be America if we hadn't gone to war. It's the reality of things, right? Doesn't necessarily mean we should enjoy war or go after it, right? It's just the reality that that's the world we live in. People had to die in order for us to enjoy the freedoms we have now America. There was a time for that. Again, he's, he's giving us the reality of what is. And then in verse... Yep, right there. In verse 9, he asked the same question that he asked at the beginning of Ecclesiastes. He says, What... Gain has the worker from his toil. What gain does the worker have from his toil? He's asking that question again. He's gone through and he's talked about power and accumulating and, and, and all of the, the pleasures and the joys and everything that one person can have and build up in this life and everything you can do and working hard and right building your own and making your own. I've done all of these things and what gain is it? There's a time and a place in this life. There's a reality that we live in. There's a time 
to be born. There's a time where we're all going to die, right? That's the reality of life. What gain is my toil? Now he's asking it again. I think what he's going to do is, is he's going to point us upwards, right? Because again, as I guess I've been saying, and as I believe Ecclesiastes has been saying, when all you focus on is the life you're in, the dirt, the grime, the toil, it's toil, right? Because that's all there is, just toil. I'm going two miles per hour down a field. That's, if that's all I focus on, that's all there is. And sure, you know, I can make bread later, but it'll eventually get stale and rot. Or some small kid will waste it by cutting off the crust and leaving it on the counter and not picking it up after themselves. Whatever, you know. It's the reality of life. I was picking on my son, you know. Sorry. Anyways. Quiet. <laughs> I love you. Okay. Yeah, I, I, um, and, and so, he goes back to that question, and again, he's not going to be focusing. He's going to move upwards now. And here's what I mean by that. He says, I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. What does he mean by that? It means he's made everything beautiful. It'd almost be better translated appropriate in its time. God has made everything, the reality that we live in, the time that we live in, the time that you were born in, the town you ended up in, how you were raised, everything is appropriate for its time. God made it so for a purpose. Right? And it is beautiful in its time, too, because you can look at it. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. We are not just highly evolved monkeys. or We are not just highly evolved bacteria or whatever the arguments are. Right? We're more than that. God has put eternity into us. That means a few things. It means one that... Obviously, when we die, it's not it. There's more. You know, when I'm, when I'm teaching the youth kids, I always like to ask them the question to ponder on. What will you be doing 10,000 years from now? Because you will be doing something. Now, granted, we'll be outside the bounds of space and time, maybe, or maybe we won't. I don't know. There's a lot of confusion there. But just think about it. Your soul will be doing something 10,000 years from now. So it means that. Right? God has put eternity in us. We are immortal souls, if you will. Maybe immortal isn't the right word, but we'll go with it for now. Correct me later, John. I'm sure I'll need it. But the other thing that it means, and he explains as he continues on in the verse, has put eternity into men's hearts yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. There is a desire in us to know. There is a desire in us to understand. 
There is a desire in us to control and want things to go what? Our way. We want things to go our way. And, and in one way, God has put that eternity in us. He has put that desire for knowledge and understanding in our hearts. We were created to want that. We were created to do that and to pursue that. But he's also left us in mystery, right? And there is a lot of mystery. Try explaining the Trinity to a six-year-old. There's a lot of mystery. And I think the reason, again, rather than focusing on the toil, look upwards. He's getting us to refocus our attention on God and who God is and what God has done. He has put eternity in our hearts. He has made us so that when we die, we continue on. He has made us so that we long and desire to know, but he's also made us to not know. He's made us to sit in the mystery and be content in that and be okay with that and not be in control, right? He has put that in our hearts because we don't know the beginning from the end, right? And so that his conclusion is, I suppose, is I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Do you see the perception change? When you look at life and make it the thing that's going to fulfill you, when you make it the ultimate thing, does it make sense when I say that? It, it goes back to that idea of like worshiping idols, right? Because at the end of the day, we as humans, we all worship something. We do. Be it self, be it entertainment, be it family, be it good morals, be it good religion, right? Like we all worship something. And we all make something our ultimate, right? We all define ourselves by what we do. I mean, that's kind of the culture we were brought up in, right? I am a farmer. That is what I do. Therefore, that is who I am, right? That's what we do naturally. That's what we're brought up to do, really. And when that thing we define ourselves by fails us, or it turns out to be empty, then it's toil. And it's burdensome. Then what's the point of all the toil? Why am I doing this? But there's a perception shift, right? Um, in Sunday school, we, we talked about this idea of uh, enduring hardship, right? And <clears throat> uh, the, we're watching these videos, and the teacher's name is Sinclair Ferguson, and he, he talks about this idea that the Christian life Suffering and hardship and toil as a Christian is meant to be productive. And I like the way he said that because what suffering and hardship and all of those things are meant to do, what all of that toil is meant to do for us 
is to shift how we think and look at the world and to draw us closer to the Lord. God uses our sufferings, he uses our stupid decisions and all the things to draw us closer to him so that everything you go through in your life is not just toilsome and meaningless, it has a point. Do you see the shift? And from time to time as Christians, we need the reminder that there is more to life than what I'm going through right now. We need the reminder that I need to shift my thinking and how I look at the world because there is a purpose for the hardship I'm going through. There is a reason for the toil. And again, back to his conclusion. You live with what you have and you do the best that you can, right? You accept that you are who you are. You're sitting here right now in your pew, maybe listening, maybe not, whatever, it's totally up to you. And you are who you are, right? You are at the maturity level that you're at. You are at the age that you're at. You're at the stage in life that you're at. All of those things. And there's purpose in it. And God, or actually the author, commends us to enjoy it and to do good. He says, you are who you are. Do the best with what you have. And what is the best? Is it your way? My way? No. It's God's way. And so then the call for us is to, well, actually here, he's going to talk about it. Because after he says, this is God's gift to man, like he has given us the gift of life. He has made you who you are. It's a gift. We are called to look at it as a gift. And again, the perception changes, right? Because now it's not toilsome, burdensome, vanity, and meaningless. It has a purpose. And it's God's gift to me. It's an opportunity for me to grow. It's an opportunity for me to draw close to the Lord because that's what I'm called to do. And then he finishes with this. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, not anything taken from it. Again, now we're focusing on the Lord. God doesn't do whoopsies. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Right? And again, I'm, I'm going back to our Sunday school class this morning because I found the uh, conversation went really well. But we're talking about this idea of parenting, right? Like, as a parent, a lot of times you're kind of like, I think this is the thing I'm supposed to do, Right? Like, I think I'm supposed to discipline you in this way, but I'm not really sure. So I'm just going to go for it, and if you need therapy someday, I'm sorry. But I mean, that's the reality of parenting. Because as it turns out, parents are just kids trying to grow up while raising kids and helping them grow up, and it's just a, it's a big mess. It's fun. I'm making the people who don't have kids want kids even more, I'm sure. It's great. But we're talking about that idea, and then we're like, God is the perfect father. Have you ever wrapped your mind around that? 
Again, he doesn't go, whoops, my bad, I shouldn't have done that. Everything that happens, everything that comes into our life is there for a purpose. It is there. There is a time and a place for it, right? There's a time for and a place for it, and God endures. Nothing can change God. Nothing can manipulate, nothing can do anything to stop what he is doing. And that is the God we worship. We worship and praise a God who endures, who cannot be thwarted, whose will is always done, whether we like it or not sometimes. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. I think the biggest thing that we take from this is that, again, he's shared that little poem, right? There's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to love, there's a time to hate. And then he kind of goes in back to that question that why does man toil? What are we doing? And then he reminds us and reminds us that we need to change our perception, right? And then he reminds us of who God is. And then he says, remember who he is. Remember that he's in control and submit to him. And that, that's, the, that's the hard part. That's the thing we don't want to do. Because I, I want to do it my way. I want to cope with stress my way. I want life to go the way I want my life to go. I don't want to submit to God's ways. I don't want to do what he calls me to do because that's hard. But he's reminding us that, like, this is the reality of things. It will go God's way. God has made a time and a place for everything. That is the way the world is. The challenge for us, then, is what will you do with that? Because as a Christian, we are called to submit to the will of the Lord. We are called to do and to pursue <clears throat> holiness. Holiness being, I want to be more and more like Christ. Right? Holiness isn't some like dry, dreary, boring word. It is a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. Wanting to be with him and be like him and love what he loves and hate what he hates. And a part of growing as a Christian, and I'll finish with these few thoughts, about a part of growing as a Christian is accepting that reality is reality. This is God's world. Will you submit to that? As you grow up and as you get older and mature in your faith, you get to the point in your life where you just accept, yeah, sometimes life stinks. Sometimes I go through seasons that are hard. I just accept it because that's the way it goes. Tragedy strikes. People die. Things 
blow up. Roofs get blown off of shops, right? It's life. It's what happens. And a part of us growing and maturing and becoming wise believers, if you will, is accepting that and trusting that God is in control. We then live out of... Well, actually, I'm going to change how I say that. The other thing that we have to remember is that because of what Christ endured on the cross for us, right? It's that lovely gospel again. Because of what he endured, because of what he suffered, we are restored to relationship with Christ. Everything has a purpose now because of what he did, because of what he suffered. The toil and the burden and the suffering that he went through has a purpose now. And so now because of that, we get the opportunity to see God's purpose in the reality that we live in now. The reality that there is a time and a place for things. We accept that. And we trust, hey God, you're in control. And I'm going to submit to your will. I'm going to do good here even though I really just want to like throw a rock at that person. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue holiness in my outward life, how people see me in the day-to-day world. I'm going to pursue holiness in my inward life, in my relationship with you, and what I do when I'm alone. All of it. I'm going to do it because I know that you are there. I know that you have a purpose for everything that I'm going through, and I'm going to endure because you endured. I'm going to endure because you were willing to suffer and die to restore me to yourself. Doesn't that make the gospel so much more powerful? I think it does. Because now we realize that like, like Zach, being able to learn that there is a time and a place, right? Like at some point he's going to grow up and he's going to have to accept that. And he has someone there to teach him that, right? He has someone there to tell him, like, hey, this isn't the time, and this isn't the place. Now, of course, he has to decide for himself whether he's going to submit to that. And I think the same goes for us, right? As believers in Christ, this is reality, right? This is the world we live in. There's a time where we're going to suffer greatly. There's going to be a time where we're going to prosper beyond any way we could have comprehended There's going to be a time when we're going to die. All of us. It's a reality of life. And a part of us growing. And a part of us uh, learning is that we accept that fact. We accept the reality that there's a time and a place. We endure in suffering because he endured for us. And we remember that we were restored ultimately in Christ. And when we do that, now all of life has a purpose, right? I'm going to close in prayer and I'll let you all be. Father God, we just uh, just come before you. 
knowing that you are a God who is worthy and good and just and perfect in every way. Knowing not just that, Lord, but that you are also an intimate and relational God who is a part of our day-to-day -day lives, who has given us the lives you've given us, made us the type of people you've made us. Help us, each individual person, to accept that they live in your world, not, not a world of their own making. Help them to do good and pursue holiness Help them to learn and accept the reality of a time and place. We thank you so much for your son who came and restored us back to you, made us your children, because you are the perfect father, Lord. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Have a good week.